I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. So, Aaron, it, it, like your your intro there went off the charts on my uh, my little audio recorder thing. I think I think you broke it. I think you went beyond the red. Uh, uh, what, did, did I go to eleven? Is that what I did? You went to eleven. Yeah. It, it, I, I'm I'm imagining that you went to eleven with pure unbridled excitement to discuss Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Well, you know, uh, excitement might not be the word. What might be the the appropriate phrase is unbridled rage. Rage. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, Seriously? Hold on. Let's yeah. preface this. We're going to preface this because Aaron calls me last night. So I had run um, – <laughs> I ran a race last night, and, you know, Aaron calls me during the after – whatever, the post-race glow. Party. Yeah, yeah, during the afterglow. And, um, you know, he, like, I pick up the phone, I'm like, hello. And he says, I feel like a friend would have warned me before about this movie. I'm like, uh oh, this is going to be an interesting conversation. (laughs) Yeah, a friend, see, I knew that Paul had seen it twice. If, you know, I, I, you know, I follow Paul on Instagram and, you know, saw that he, he went to go see this movie twice. I'm like, oh, it must be really good. And uh, then I see the movie, and I'm like, "Wow!" A friend would have told me what a pe- what a steaming pile of shit this movie was. And Only if a friend believed that, because well, <laughs> I am floored. I think this one was one of the best. Oh God! Out of I, all of the Star Wars, I I feel like it was it was a terrible, terrible film. There's so much wrong with this movie. Well, okay, so I'm on the side of loving it. Sounds like Wayne is. Aaron's on the side of hating it. Tim, you know, not not to not to split the middle, but eh. you're right down the middle. All right, that's fine. Eh, that's fine. Eh, and you know, eh. so if you're looking at Rotten Tomatoes score, you know the Rotten critics. Tomatoes critics love it. They're at ninety yeah. something percent. Audiences ninety three percent is what it was yesterday. And audiences are somewhere around fifty six percent, which I will tell you is lower than the Justice League score. F you, Justice League haters. <laughs> well, and I, I, along those lines, I enjoyed Justice League more. I thought Justice League was a better movie. Ooh, yeah, I won't agree yeah. with that. I, I, I wow. do. I think I and and here's my gripe. I have many gripes, but my primary gripe about the movie is that it is in large part not a Star Wars film. It it there are no. Oh, God. There's so many things. <laughs> it fails to create a major set piece around a lightsaber fight. Yeah, there's a big lightsaber fight in the film. There is nothing beautiful, captivating, uh, you know, exciting about that fight where – and by the way, major spoilers. Uh, where oh, I, You want me to do it? Just uh, Please, please. <laughs> Spoiler. There, there is – Nothing ar- that that is that makes me go, oh my god! That put me on the edge of my seat around where Ray and uh, Kylo Ren are fighting against Snoke. I, I just that that scene just there is nothing that occurs in that fight that you don't see every week on a CW show. I, have, I you know I have to say so you know since we're starting with that, all right, we're we're starting at the end. We're starting on Act Three. I will say for me, other than one major gripe, which I'll get to here in a minute, 
I feel like the last hour of The Last Jedi is probably one of my favorite Star Wars cinematic experiences ever. Really? I, I feel like yeah. starting with the death of Snoke through the through the ending of the film up until well, I mean, we're I don't care. We're spoiling the shit out of this. Just in they, case you they haven't got realized spoilers. That. They got yeah. spoilers. And by the way, people are already doing that to people anyways. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, we, we I'll put that in the show notes so that people know beforehand. But mm-hmm. up until the death of Luke, because the death of Luke pissed me the fuck off. Um, yeah. I thought it was totally unnecessary. And, you know, it, 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 it I, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But up from yeah, the death of Luke. Because I see why they needed to do it. So I don't like like, OK, well. Screw it. We're, we're going off the rails here because, you know, Carrie Fisher died eight months ago or more, more, I think at this point. I feel like they have they could have done some creative editing to at least have one Skywalker alive for the last film in the Skywalker saga. Just saying um, that, that I you know, for me, the, the fact that Luke died seemed a bit of a cop out. So. First of all, I want to call Aaron on his. There's no uh, nothing exciting about the lightsaber seat fight, and that's why it's not like a Star Wars movie. Because really, let's look at A New Hope. Was there anything exciting about this lightsaber yes, fight? Because you had never seen a lightsaber fight before. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, you're you're judging New Hope against what you've seen in in movies that followed it. In A New Hope, it it captivated a generation. Uh, yeah, in, in today's standards, it's a rather you know stale sort of fight. But that's actually day, what I think you're doing is you're you're judging this fight by the previous fights. I am judging it by the previous fights. It's fair to do because you know we've seen. I mean, as much as I hate Phantom Menace, Duel of the Fates is some of the best uh, fighting that we've seen in a Star Wars movie. This was nothing on par with that. I was so bored in that uh, lightsaber fight in in this movie. And I was like, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that the set itself was boring with the big red background. It looked like they were sitting in front of a red screen. What was that all about? I mean, Uh, and I I thought one of the things that was great about Force Awakens was how tactile the movie was. You know, J.J. Abrams built all these fantastic sets you know, and got away from a lot of the CG, and this felt really CG heavy, and thus it didn't feel real. It felt more like you know, Phantom Menace. See, this felt way more like Star Wars to me than uh, Force Awakens did. This felt like it had the feel of a Star Wars for me far more than that. So that's where Wayne and I diverge. Um, I will say, for me, I felt like Force Awakens was a better movie. Um, Damn straight. I felt it felt more Star Wars to me. I felt the characters were more likable um, in The Force Awakens. The same actors. And I think part of that was the fact that they separated they um, you know, separated yeah. the team in this film. Finn and Ray have a scene together in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, and that that and their chemistry in Force Awakens was fantastic. Why you would separate those two characters for so long in this film is beyond me. Well, I think the reason they did it was so that they could partner him with an actress that he has literally no chemistry with. Right. Well, and who is wildly miscast, (laughs) you know, she, I appreciate what they were trying to do, but she has no energy on the screen whatsoever. You know, we're talking about Rose, right? Yeah, we're talking about Rose. Um, I thought she was cute. I thought she was fun. I didn't think that they, that, that I will say that one of my, I have some major gripes with the film. I will, you know, like we stated, I love the film overall. I have some major gripes with it. One is the death of Luke. Two is that whole storyline because it felt um i felt like again with some creative editing and a little editing on the script 
they could have gotten to the same place without wasting 40 minutes of my time, um, right. you know, going to Canto Bite and, and in interjecting this storyline that for me largely didn't add anything to the film. It, well, last, and- it definitely lasted too long, but I really liked Rose. Uh, I, I liked her character a lot. I I I truly I under I understood what they were doing there. It just didn't work in my opinion. And one of the things that drives me crazy is that we have st- we established in Force Awakens that you can get anywhere instantaneously across the galaxy, unless of course there's a story element that you need to delay it, which is what we see in this movie. I mean, if you compare the two movies in the way hyper hyperdrive works. Um, it is it is night and day because we spend so much time with, we're almost there we're almost there whereas you know we travel instantaneously across the galaxy in the previous movie just saying well and I so that that I, I think a little, little internally inconsistent but of course you know and, and and I don't mean to cut you off here Aaron but I do think that they addressed that in this film and I think part of that was the fact that um, you know whereas we watched the the Force Awakens and at the end of it it seemed like wow. It only took her like 30 seconds to get where Luke was. I think that was a bit, you know, I think this film addressed that time had actually passed, um, you know, because at the beginning of this film, you have the First Order descending upon the Resistance. So clearly some time has passed at the same time as Rey arriving on Octo to, to confront Luke. So I do think that they, they addressed that. Maybe it wasn't as fast as we originally perceived in Force Awakens. Wow, Finn was in the septic tank then, like, for months. <laughs> I mean, maybe not months, but maybe a week, you know? I don't know, maybe a couple days. Yeah, because he was in a so, coma for a while. So some additional things that, that frustrate me about this film is how much time we wasted with her convincing Luke to help her out. I, I found I found that very frustrating. I appreciate Luke has got, you know, a, a damaged psyche after, you know, what happened with Ben. But uh, I... I it was frustrating to me that we're spending so much time when you know that Luke is going to come around, you know, you know, that is not a surprise to anybody at the end of the movie that Luke winds up walking into the fight because that's what he's going to do. Since you know, that's going to happen. Let's not waste a whole bunch of time doing that. Yeah. But the parts I liked about the movie, the the parts that made me laugh about that movie were basically on that, that planet. I loved, I loved that whole thing. It it might've gone a little long. I I don't disagree. But like, just the interaction between you know Ray and 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 you know the 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 caretakers, yeah. the, those were good. Those were good moments to me. So the thing I, I mean, was, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. I was just gonna say, you know, one thing that I think the entire world was looking forward to about this film were porgs, right? That you know the, the porgs have been have been <laughs> up front. They have they have been up front in the ads. They've been up front in the marketing. And you know, one thing. Well, I, I I loathe and despise Ewoks. They were important to the story. <laughs> you know, they were they were key to Return of the Jedi. You could have taken the Porgs out of this movie, and the only thing that you would have lost is marketing. So the I por- completely the- disagree with that, Aaron. Oh, oh no, no. <laughs> the purpose of the Porg, they had no plot purpose, yes. I, I give you that. And, and going into it, I was dreading them because I thought they were going to be obnoxious and annoying and frustrating. What they provided was a lightness to it. This was really a dark movie, a dark story, and they were necessary just to lighten the mood in a few moments, to make it not so bleak. Their purpose was tone. Their purpose was 1999 under the fucking Christmas tree. That is exactly right. That is (laughs) exactly right. 
And don't get I, me wrong. I think they, the Porgs are cute. I, but it would have been nice had they had a story moment between, you know, other than just sitting on the dashboard of the Millennium Falcon. I just I was I was stunned that there was no plot purpose because even the crystal wolves or coyotes, whatever those damn things were at the end of the movie, they had a point in the story. Uh-huh. The porgs see, have zero point in the story. I was glad there was no plot point for him because I didn't want to see a repeat of the Ewoks. I, you know, so I didn't mind the porgs. I really didn't. I mean, to your point. Yeah, they were all has a porg. You know, they, they weren't as annoying as like they weren't as. They weren't as important to the storyline as an Ewok or, say, a minion, um, but they weren't. They certainly weren't as annoying as they could have been. I thought they were just, quite frankly, they were scenery. Um, yes, would that wouldn't have been great, you know, considering how how forward they were in the marketing. If they actually had something to do in the film, whether maybe they're maybe they're great with electronics. I don't know. You know, maybe they enhance force abilities. They've, you know, they, they've certainly had that, those kinds of animals on Star Wars Rebels. They didn't really yeah. add anything to the story. And I hear you there. I do. Um, but I feel the same way about the caretakers or pretty much el- any alien race introduced in this film. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of it was just scenery chomping and it was still all about the main three. Um, I feel, you know, going back to something Tim said about uh, something being uh, a bit long. I feel like every storyline in this film um, was a bit overlong. How uh, long yeah. was this movie? Two and a half I, I, hours. Okay. It felt yeah. like four. Yeah. It, was, it felt really long. It was the longest Star Wars movie. I feel yeah. like they genuinely could have trimmed out a half an hour. Um, and I will say a, a lot of it could have been the Finn stuff. I do, you know, as, I, I, I thought the Canto Bite sequence was entirely pointless. And I understand that what he was doing there, Ryan Johnson, the director and writer, um, what he was doing there was he was setting up for that um, that ending sequence where we see that one of the children that's being in you know that has been sold into slavery on Canto Bight was you know force sensitive, and I feel like you could have genuinely had the exact same sequence at the ending without having to introduce I that agree. child in a half hour sequence that went nowhere, uh, and you know agree. it had the Benicio del Toro thing, but I I really feel like all they needed to do was say, hey, we've got a code breaker here in the resistance. Like, you, 4,000 people, no. you don't have a goddamn code breaker anywhere in there? Like, no, seriously? No, stop, stop. Benicio Del Toro, the reason they did that was so they could paint the homage back to the Empire Strikes Back. Which the, homage? The, the homage that somebody betrayed them. Yeah, he's the Lando of this movie. He's the Lando of the movie. Yeah, no, you're, you're I, right, you're right. I, do, and no, granted, so I, but, I, I I liked him better than the Lando betrayal, but... True. Eh. Whatever. I, 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 I can't abide Benicio Del Toro in any form. <laughs> I like Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> I really can't abide Benicio Del Toro. Uh, I, I, the, the movie would have really benefited from some editing. I think we can all agree on that. Um, I am deeply concerned that Ryan Johnson is writing more of these movies because I, I felt like there were some big problems in the script. I, I feel like there are two. Um, I, I will say yeah. I had some genuine problems. And so now, um, you know, a couple more problems that I'm going to just kind of address rapid fire here. Um, that I mean, not just small gripes. I'm talking, these are some of my major gripes on the film. One, obviously the death of Leia. Uh, I mean, death of Luke. Um, <laughs> they can't control, they didn't write that in. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> two, I will say two, the fact that they didn't kill Leia. Um, I, I, feel I, thought, like, I thought I thought that was it too. By the way, I thought you know when she gets sucked out, I was like, "Wow, they really kept that under their hats." Like th- that was like totally surprising. And then she like force push it, pulls her way yeah. back to the spaceship in space. She bewitches herself. And it's a ridiculous scene. It is a ridiculous scene. It was asinine. Absolutely. And I mean that is that is a level of force usage that you've never seen 
Well, and that's a problem with a lot of this movie, right? I mean, there's so we're seeing. I I, don't get me wrong. I am fine that there are unplumbed depths in the ability to use the force and what the force can do. I'm fine with that. But all of a sudden, the fact that we have unboxed all of these great force powers, you know, uh, it just seems it seems too much all in one story, and it's too much of what we've never seen before. If if Darth Vader is so powerful in the force, you know, back in the day, and we never saw him do this stuff. It, I, it, I, I find it confounding. So what I get from that, and the thing that I think is a theme they're going for with this, is that the new generation of force users are more powerful. The force is more powerful now than it was before. I think that's going to be a plot point they deal with in the third movie because we are seeing a lot of these things we've never seen before. That said, the whole scene of Leia was ridiculous and looked bad. So the scene, it looked stupid. So the scene where, uh, Kylo Ren is, you know, telling, uh, Ray that, you know, her parents don't matter, that, that her parents weren't anybody, that they were, they were peasants and, and, uh, uh, you know, that she's not part of the family story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know a lot of people have, you know, interpreted that as, you know, anybody can be a force wielder, right. Yes. That, you know, that's how I interpreted uh, it. Right. And that that's the message of the movie is that, you know, anybody can use the force. Right. But I also took that. I think a lot of people are taking that as believes that her parents don't matter. And I don't think that's true. I felt like Kylo Ren was nagging her, right. That he, that he was, you know, he, he was trying to bust her will by saying just really horrible things to her. Yeah, um, I completely agree. I, I, I feel like there is something important about her parents just from what we saw in force awakens. Um, it, I ahead, agree. And this is the, They've said the main movies are the Skywalker story. We still have Ben, but I still think she's going to somehow be related. Yeah, I think I think that 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 we know who her parents are, right? We don't know who her parents are, but when when that is revealed, we will know who they are through the the canon of Star Wars. Um, I I am frustrated by the fact that the movie tends to. Uh, to diminish the importance of the Skywalker saga. Um, and, and yeah, we still have a lone Skywalker, even though he is you know, really a solo. But uh, <laughs> he uh, I, I, I'm, I'm distressed by that because, you know, we we have seen uh, wasted potential. Seriously, I mean, you know, Anakin never lives up to what he's supposed to be. Luke never lives up to what he's supposed to be. And now we've got, you know, Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren as possibly the worst villain in the history of villains, who's just the biggest crybaby. I was really hoping they were going to fix that from Force Awakens. But he, he is still the biggest whiny baby in the galaxy. Okay, two thoughts on that. Uh First of all, I loved Luke's speech about how the Jedi as a whole were failures. They are failures. Because they are. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Completely agreed with that. Second, that was one of the things I liked about the movie is I thought they fixed Ben. I thought Kylo was much more menacing, that he didn't come off as the whiny brat, that he was a lot more effective. I thought that 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 was one of the things I went in hoping they would do, and I thought they did. I felt like the villains were a huge, a, a huge failure in the movie because, you know, uh, Snoke, uh, 
never really emerges as anything other than a guy sitting on a chair. You know, I'm and like, so I, I do, I do want ahead. to address that point since you're hitting Snoke now, because um, Snoke was another big issue. You know, when you see people referencing their major issues, when they're, you know, when you look at that 56 percent in, in audience reviews or 53 percent. Some of the major issues, one, are obviously the death of Luke, um, two, the fact that Ray's parents were nobody, and three, Snoke, right? A lot of people have a problem with the fact that Snoke was was killed off so easily, we never knew who he was, people had set up all these fan theories, All you know, we spent two years speculating, oh, Snoke is Ezra Bridger, Snoke is Kanan, Snoke is somebody, and then Snoke, you know, now we don't know, and quite frankly, we probably no, Snoke never... Snoke dies like a bitch. Yeah, then Snoke <laughs> dies like a bitch, and, and honestly, an awesome sequence, and I think, you know... That it, was cool. It was, it was really like well done, but at the same time, I think people are complaining because they have preconceived notions about it, and I think a lot of people seem to forget the fact that in the original trilogy, you know, in 1983, we didn't know who the fuck the Emperor was either when he died. Like, there was no explanation of who this guy was. There was no, exp you know, we knew Darth Vader was Luke and Leia's dad, but we didn't know who their mom was, nor did anyone really leave caring. Like, you know, there was no mention of Sith or any of those things or any of the rules around it. All of that stuff came from the prequels that everyone hates. But if you go back to the original trilogy... Quite frankly, Snoke probably has as much screen time as the Emperor had in the original trilogy and probably as much development. And, you know, I I had a problem with Snoke dying first. I'm like, well, now I'm never going to know who he was. And I think, you know, back on it, I'm like, well, we didn't know who the Emperor was until the shitty, well, shitty prequels came about. Yeah, we'll I know. I would like to disagree with you on that, Paul, because, you know, you, there's, no, there's really – you have a, a small appearance of the Emperor in New Hope, right? Uh, or small reference to him. Then you see, you know, him interact with uh, Vader in Empire Strikes Back, and then in Return of the Jedi, through most of the movie, you get to see him manipulating Vader, and then trying to manipulate, uh, uh, you know, uh, Luke. And then he dies in the third act. So you actually have some development with the Emperor throughout that trilogy. You know, yeah, you don't you don't have a detailed analysis of, of who Palpatine was, but you do have an, an an idea of how powerful he is. Plus, force lightning. <laughs> I mean, you got to see he got up off the chair and he dominates the room. I never felt like Snoke did that. I mean, yeah, he he is force manipulating uh, Ray, but you know, given what we've seen, that seems a minor ability. I say he seemed all powerful to me. Like they didn't even have a remote chance against him unless they caught him off guard. Yeah. He I just did not seem menacing to me at all. I, I liked Snoke. I actually liked Snoke. I, I, I do. I wish there was more explanation. Yeah. I think we've as audiences come to expect more explanation out of our films. And, and I think we'll get it. If not in the next movie, then in a Marvel in, comic or some nonsense. Yeah. It's something. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we'll find out who Snoke is. I, I, I feel like, um, I I get the I get what Aaron is saying. I feel like his character was underdeveloped, and I walked out. Now having seen the film twice, I walked out of both showings of that film, feeling that as well. It's only in time of sitting down with it and really thinking about it that the issues I had with the film have gotten bigger. The the most of the issues I've had with the film have gotten bigger. But Snoke, like the more I thought about it and and compared it to the original trilogy, because ultimately Last Jedi for me is if you took half of Empire Strikes Back and half of Return of the Jedi and slapped them together, you had The Last Jedi. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's how The Last Jedi felt to me. 
um, between Luke being the Yoda, between the throne room scene with Snoke, between you know everything that happened, it very very much felt like oh, a it's a very derivative. It's an awfully derivative film. I mean, you know, from how the movie opens up and they're trying to get off planet. I mean, it's it's yeah, like you know, the ice planet Hoth, right? Yeah. So yeah, it was an extremely derivative film. Uh, yeah. But that's what people complained about with Force Awakens, and now people are yeah. complaining about this film. It's funny. So I posted a little review on um, on uh, our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because one of the comments about this film, the most recent comment, awful movie, JJ will redeem us with episode nine. Justice for Luke Skywalker, we as a community won't sit here and let Disney destroy Star Wars. <laughs> well, I mean, that being said, I feel like the comment's a little overwrought, but J.J. will redeem us with episode nine. Well, first of all, he's not redeeming us. We didn't have any part in in, right. the, in the creation of this film. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that, like, people forget shit in retrospect. No, absolutely. Like, people forget that everyone hated the fact, I mean, not me, but a lot of people hated the fact that Force Awakens was derivative of A New Hope. And now people are like saying this movie like shit on everything, shit on Star Wars. I'm like this movie was for me, it was 100% Star Wars, the good yes, and the bad, very I, much so. And I feel like I I understand that the movie was trying to set a new tone because you can't keep telling the same three movies over and over again, right? Um, no matter how hard they try. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think that's important. You need to you need to create a new framework, and that was one of the the, the wonderful things about Rogue One. Is that you know we revealed that this is a tremendous tapestry that is story rich. There are there are all kinds of stories that you can tell here, and I felt like what Ryan Johnson was trying to say is you don't have to be a Skywalker to have a Star Wars story, and I appreciate that. I just don't care for how it was done. In terms of the, of the movie, things that I really enjoy about a Star Wars movie, like an amazing lightsaber duel, uh, weren't here in this film. There was never a moment in this film where I sat at the edge of my seat going, God dang, this is awesome. And I did. Uh, I've, you know, the throne, I, I, you know, I know we're, we're, you're saying that that throne room scene was lame. And I feel like that's probably, you know, you said, and you compared it, and you know, that's something I can't see on the CW. Yeah, but I think that's because CW stuff has gotten better. Because I do, I, I, I thought, I thought that that throne room scene so was pretty explanation, awesome. I, I, not that the Star Wars scene was lame, but that the CW is awesome. I got gotcha. you. Okay. I just think that the CW, you know, the direction on those CW shows has gotten better because I do think that throne room scene was good. I liked I, it. I, I like the throne room scene. I, I like the imagery because those guys in crimson are badass like yeah. that's what they're supposed to be they're the imperial guard like, yeah and i love the red on red fight i i loved finally getting to see them do something because we've never seen the imperial guard fight on screen yeah and it looked like that was a hell of a fight <laughs> so yeah it wasn't the lightsaber fight but i i think it was a worthy fight and i disagree there was a moment in that movie where i was i was on the edge of my seat and that was at the end when Luke walks out of the burning hole in the in the fucking titanium door. I, I, I will say, I gotta say, the, the 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 moment in the movie that I enjoyed didn't have me on the edge of my seat, but the moment in the movie that I enjoyed was the confrontation between Luke and Kylo Ren. Um, I now I, I, I as Paul, uh, I also agree that they they, sh- they 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 blew the ending by having Luke die. I mean, I thought the scene where he he is just you know. Uh, not having to fight Kylo, he's just moving casually out of the way. I thought was really cool, um, but I hated that they killed him off at the end of the movie. I hate so, it. 
here's why I think he needed to die for it. It was symmetry with Snoke. The old generation of Force users are gone. He was the counterbalance to Snoke. Snoke's gone, so the dark side you know, leader is gone. Now the light side has to go, and it just leaves Kylo and Rey. From a... It's necessary. When you have the... You know, when you look back, Yoda dies, and then the Emperor dies. I saw it as kind of the same thing. That that level of Force user is... They both go to bring back balance. Yeah, but, you know, for me... I think me, it's necessary for the story. I, 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 I hear you, and I agree partially, but at the same time, give me that in Episode 9. Don't yeah, give me that in Episode I was, 8. I, I agree. <laughs> now, yeah. the only thing that I will say that I, I, I... What I would love to see them do is flip it on its head. Because, you know, when, when Obi-Wan Kenobi dies in A New Hope he returns as a force ghost and, you know, helps Luke out, right? What I would love to see is Luke haunt Kylo Ren, as opposed to being the mentor for, for Ray. I would love to see him haunt Kylo Ren. That would be oh, cool. I would love that. And you know that he's going to be back as a force ghost. Oh, that's absolutely. A- yeah. But, but I mean, that's the way you do it to flip it on its head, to tell a new story is, you know, and have him be a smart ass. You know, because <laughs> I, I, I think that will just continue to madden Kylo Ren. Yeah. Now, I do have a question. This is one thing I was thinking about is uh, we see that light side force users will return as force ghosts. But I don't think we've ever seen that with certainly not in the films. Maybe we've seen it in the TV shows. Um, we've never seen a dark side force user return as a force ghost. Yeah, we saw Vader. No, but he after his redemption. Yeah, after his redemption. Besides that, though, yeah. no. And I, I, I do think that is something that they established in the in the Clone Wars. Uh, right. Yeah, to your point on on television, that you know it 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 does take training in the light side of the Force to you know to give yourself um, you know, eternal life, eternal life, <laughs> basically. So, um, one thing that I, I was kind of astounded by is. The journey in Return of the Jedi and ostensibly the entire first three movies, you know, four, five and six, is the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. Yes. Anakin Skywalker, who, you know, when he went over to the dark side was well, and even before then, uh, was a miserable, terrible soul. I mean, he ki- he killed, you know, sand people <laughs> and the, 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 the women and children in the sand people village. And, you know, they're not sand monsters. They're sand people. Um, you know, we know that he, he is a murderous, murderous soul, right? Yeah. Bad guy, Darth Vader. Bad. He could be redeemed. Luke Skywalker acknowledges that Kylo cannot be redeemed. I, I was a little troubled by that. I think it's I think that's a personal block. Like, I think I don't you're think probably right. Yeah. yeah it's no, like, I don't, no I, that, I, that he's screwed. I'm not sure that that's a valid clinical diagnosis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think that that is, you know, Luke's personal issues. Yeah, it's just like, he has to hope that he can't be redeemed or he really fucked the pooch. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of it. And when you look back, Obi-Wan said that, you know, Anakin couldn't be redeemed because when you're there and you see the horrible things happen, then it's harder to accept that they can come back from it. It's easier if you don't see it happen. You know, it, you mentioned something about, Luke, you know, we were talking about Luke's Forks ghost and, and, and all that kind of thing. And the, you know, the life after death that's established in the Star Wars canon. 
And, you know, we haven't referenced something because I greatly enjoyed the appearance of Yoda in this film. Uh, Despite yeah. the yeah. fact that he somehow has a corporeal sense yeah. that he can actually yeah. hit Luke yeah. with his that, cane. That I thought was that was problem. interesting. And that he can, he can interact with, with, with matter and energy and uh, destroy things. Yeah, I had some problems with that. <laughs> See, I didn't because, again, we're seeing the Force get, is getting stronger. We're seeing it do things it hasn't done before, and that includes Yoda. Yeah, but are we seeing? Plus, I guess, but are we seeing acknowledgement of that? And I think we are. I think we're seeing Luke, you know, saying that Kylo and Ray, like he's he's seeing the Force stronger in them than he has, you know, before in his yes. life. But it is interesting to me that, they, like, there's no real acknowledgement of why is the Force so damn strong right now. Is it because there right. are so few force users? Is it like the speed force? And because there's so few left <laughs> that, that like, you know, everyone's stronger or like, what is it? Cause you know, it's, or is it lazy storytelling? Is it like when Superman can hold up a planet, you know, ding, even ding, though that's ding, never ding, been established ding. before. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I the winner. think it's lazy, lazy storytelling story. because right. they are establishing it, which makes me think it's going to come out as something. But one thing we're also ignoring here is that, a lot of these things that happened all happened based around a location that is incredibly strong with the force. It is a there New Zealand. Special... <laughs> True. Actually, they're Ireland. On, <laughs> they're on a special island that is a well of force power. They can do things there that they couldn't do elsewhere. I don't know that Yoda would be able to interact with the physical world anywhere other than that island. I don't know that Luke could project like that anywhere other than the island because they're tapping into that wellspring of the Force. All right, I'm going to speak on this. Now, now I'm getting finished. Get All right, get so it, listen, I, while I buy that, let's talk about Yoda for a second. Yoda looks asinine. Doesn't and, you know why, and you know why he looks asinine? Because he's not made from Jim Henson Workshop. He's right. made in a fucking computer. That's right. And you know what? If they hadn't established that originally back in the day that he looks like, you know, like he looked in the first three movies, I might be able to accept the fact that he looks stupid in this movie. Wait, but no, I, I thought Yoda was a puppet in this film. I think they had some puppet scenes and they had some CG scenes. If they did, if they did, they should have pulled out the old old puppet and looked at it for more than five seconds. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing I thought they kind of did because I, I had a problem with how he looked, too. But what they were going for, it seemed like, is they were going for Yoda as Luke knew him, not as he was in his prime. So Yoda comes back as the old, tired Yoda and even talks like the old, tired Yoda. And I thought he looked horrible. And I thought that you know it was a case of they went back to puppets instead of CG because it looked like a puppet to me, not like CG. There was one scene that looked puppety to me, and then there were several scenes that looked CG to me. Yeah, I, I just felt like he. I felt like he looked like wet, slick back Yoda, not yeah. like I, I, Yoda Dagobah Yoda, which is what Wayne is referencing. And I, I get it. That's how he should look because that's how Luke saw yeah. him. Right. But that's not how he looked on that screen. I agree. He, he did talk that way. I, I'll give you that. He did talk like 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 tired ass Yoda, but he always talks weird, so it's hard to tell. <laughs> it's like he pulled him out of the retirement home and they gave him two of the blue pills and been like, okay, we need f five of your best minute Yoda. So. So I, I think we wrap today by ranking this film in our top, you know, where it falls in our uh, estimations of of Star Wars films. Okay. And and for me, this would probably be fifth in my top five. That uh, you know, Empire, New Hope, 
uh, Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, then uh, this movie. I would actually agree. Uh, even though, um, even though I say that the last hour of this film was like just phenomenal for me, um, I do feel like overall those other films were better films. So I, I would give it. I, I would have the same ranking. I put it in second, only to Empire Strikes Back. Okay, Man, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to give you shit. That's tough. <laughs> that's that's tough. No, I'm not giving Wayne shit. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with it. Um. <laughs> it, yeah, it, I'd, I'd say fourth probably. Okay. Okay. So, what are so which ones are your top three? Uh, I Empire one, and then I would do. Uh, so you're saying Phantom Menace is your uh, is your second? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the original. It's the original three, and then this one. Okay. And I, I gotta be. I, I will say for me, I and you know we, this is a whole other conversation. I, I I do fluctuate between New Hope and Empire as my number one. Um, right, you know, part of me does appreciate New Hope, uh, just a little bit more from time to time. But I'm also the guy who likes Raiders of the Lost Ark more than Temple of Doom as well. So. I like Raiders of the Lost Ark more than Temple of Doom. I think a lot of people like the dark one, the second one, right? I think that's what I, I like. I don't get me wrong. I love Temple of Doom, but uh, but I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is is uh, is far and away the better movie. I would agree, well, Paul. There's definitely something to be said for the original and starting it all. So I can easily see going back and forth because I have a, I have in the past too gone back and forth on yeah. whether I like New Hope or Empire Strikes Back better. Well, the, the thing is about Empire, you don't get Empire without first ha- establishing what you do in New Hope. And New Hope's a great movie. I just – I love the the emotional complexity and you know really diverse storytelling that you get in Empire. So, well, <laughs> this has been an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah. I've enjoyed and this. As I told Paul yesterday when I called him that this moment right here when he didn't warn me about how bad this film was – this is where we become arch arch enemies. So this is oh, this so is where this, this is, is where, where this is where the this is where the music stops and you talk to each other using Jedi phone. <laughs> I'm sorry that didn't. Oh yeah, that, don't get me started. There was far too much stuff happening in people's heads in this movie. <laughs> no, uh, I'm gonna. I know. I know we were wrapped up, but you know what the hell with it. Um, <laughs> the, one last, the one last thing I want to say is, I normally like the music in Star Wars. The music, uh-huh. the music's a little overdone in this movie, and the reason they did it was because they wanted to stop it so that you knew they were about to do a force moment. <laughs> That's yeah. This it's, moment, it's, this force moment, brought to you by Kodak. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I'm done. All right. All right, folks. Well, let us know what you thought of it in the comments down below at iomgeek.com. Um, on Twitter at Ideology Madness, on our Facebook page, pretty much anywhere that you want to contact us. Um, let us know what you thought of The Last Jedi. Or call us to leave us a message at the IOM Geek Hotline, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, is 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable, Ideology of Madness surprise. You know, usually you usually use that number to say if you want to complain about Wayne. I think this might be if you want to tell Heron how wrong he is, you can call his number. <laughs> and hey, let me let me throw this out there. We're like two weeks out from the annual Funny Book Awards. Oh, oh 
crap. So, you know, if, if you'd like to nominate some, uh, some, uh, you know, s- s- some folks for funnies, get, give us a call. Yes. Leave us a comment. Yeah, we'd love for you to do our work for us. Please yeah. do our work for us. I'm going to start looking at covers. <laughs> yeah. So Get to work, Tim. one more thing, Star Wars related, before we wrap up, is I want to mention that um, if you read your comics digitally or have any interest in reading your comics digitally, all the Star Wars uh, graphic novels, trade paperbacks are on sale digitally on Amazon and on Comixology. Um, however, if you purchase it on Amazon, uh, the prices are actually better on Amazon and you get the Comixology version included with your purchase. So even though you may be hitting up that Comixology sale, double check the price for the Kindle edition on Amazon first um, before that, you make that purchase. That's actually true for all Marvel comics on Amazon. Generally, the uh, trade price is better on Amazon than on Comixology, even when there's a sale. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just just a little hint for our viewers. If, if you want to send us a porg, you can't send it media mail. I already tried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 going to be cooking up some, the, some porg for the holidays. <laughs> delicious, delicious porg. delicious porg. But it's gonna. But another one will look at you, so you won't be able to eat eat it. That's why. That's why Chewbacca has them on the uh, on the sh- on the Falcon. They're <laughs> delicious. They're like spam with legs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys have a good one. You too. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.